Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is Caleb Jenks. And tonight, which is uh, Sunday, January 24th, we are going to be talking to you about atheism. Not only that, we'll probably bring up atheists, the people that make up the group. So that's what we're going to be uh, going over tonight. So as always, uh, and hopefully as my partner in crime here is going to be sharing it everywhere because he should be taking advantage of this time right now as I'm just leading in with announcements. He should be clicking buttons. I am going to tell you that if you are listening to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, please join us every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 8 p.m. Central in order to watch the video live and you can comment and ask questions and heckle us and we appreciate all of that. And uh, we are adding fans every week. I mean, we we are a dozen fans strong at this point. We've been in it a year, and we have doubled our numbers. So uh, this is season two. I think this is episode, I don't know, two, three, or four of our second season. So if you are new to us here on our Facebook Live video that we do every week, we ask that you would get on Spotify, get on Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you find your podcasts, and look us up. Uh, really, all you got to do is search for Bible Thumper on Google, and, and it should come up. And uh, download some episodes, share them around to your friends, and if nothing else, hopefully you'll get so mad at our level of arrogancy and incompetence when it comes to teaching the Bible, that you will storm off and decide to read the Bible for yourself to get yourself some answers. So if we can provide that service to the world, we are happy to do it. So with that, <clears throat> I am going to try to click a few buttons here, and I am going to let Caleb jump in and tell us what he thinks about atheism to start off. So Caleb, give it to me. What do you got? Well, welcome all of you. I'm hoping hoping that we have a few atheists that run across this because I know there are a few of you out there. And um, so hopefully you run across this. And hopefully by the end of this video, um, Patrick or I has, one of us has said something that um, makes you think twice about your position on atheism. It's certainly a, um, it's a topic that um, oftentimes Christians may not may not really realize how how much we should actually face this this question as a Christian um, and, and discuss this because oftentimes we ourselves may have settled this issue personally and most of our friends have. But um, the, the, the reality is if you're an atheist, um, you are against the idea of there being a God. And so those of us that actually believe in God, specifically Christians, really should have a an answer for this uh, for this issue. And we should we should be prepared to to give a defense for this. So hopefully Patrick and I are able to do that tonight. And hopefully my video did not freeze. Have you still got my audio? Because my video seemed to freeze here. You're coming in just fine. Coming through. Okay. Um. So uh, myself, I was raised in a Christian home. I've never been an atheist, but I've come across times in my life where I asked myself some of the same questions that oftentimes atheists ask. And that is because, as humans, we are fools, and we um, don't comprehend God the same way that that God, that God. We don't look at things the same way that God does. And so, oftentimes, we come come across questions where all of a sudden it seems like maybe God 
um, did something wrong or something doesn't match up and how could God exist? It's a really evidence for God. And, uh, and so we ourselves as Christians oftentimes can ask some of the same questions as atheists do. And I think it's really good for us to get into not just the feel good, um, part of Christianity where of course we believe there's God. Um, when those questions come, come along, I think it's good to address those questions and, and dive into that and, and not let those stack up because, um, there will come a time uh, in your life where things aren't going so well, a rough time, and uh, where you're dealing with pain or suffering. And if you let those questions stack up unanswered, uh, they can kind of all come onto you at once. And that is exactly what Satan wants, is he wants us to get to the point where we um, never commit our life to Christ and um, and and really never believe that that God is who he is. So uh, some of the big questions that I find the most credible questions, uh, the most, um, there's some people that are just cynical and they want to just find some reason to say there isn't God, but then no. there's other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then there's other people that ask some questions that are, that are emotionally and logically coherent. Like you can understand why they would ask this question because they've dealt with, you know, the pain of a lost one. They dealt with suffering. They've de dealt with, um, injustice and it seems to them based off of um, possibly a flawed um, theology or flawed idea and outlook on, on who God is um, it seems to them that if God was God if God was caring that he uh, would that he would probably have have allowed them to uh, be rescued from this situation or that situation and so it it's understandable for some people to during pain and suffering to start questioning God maybe get angry at God. And that's a pretty common thing that, that happens. So at that point, just because you don't like something um, in most situations, you can be mad that your truck lets you down. You can be mad that your wife lets you down. You can be mad, mad that your boss lets you down, but you wouldn't say your boss doesn't exist or that your truck doesn't exist. In most situations, um, it wouldn't bring in questions of whether or not that person or thing exists. It would just be that you're upset that things went the way they did. The, the difference is with God, you don't personally see him. You don't personally feel him, smell him. Um, and so it, it's not, it's, it's, it's not as tangible. And so oftentimes we become disconnected from the reality of, of who God is and how we're surrounded by evidence for God. And then we get into a, a pinch like that. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't see God. I don't see him fixing my problems. He doesn't seem to be doing what I expected that he was to do. So maybe there is no God. And so I just thought I would start this off with a, um, with a Bible verse that addresses us when we get into this predicament, regardless of where we came from, how we got here. When we get to the point of saying for whatever reason that there is no God, um, Psalms 14, um, verse one says the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. So what did there you just is call me <laughs> a fool. <laughs> so, um, the Bible, um, I've always said that it's unfair and I actually picked this up from, from somebody else that I heard say this, but I think it's a, it's a good idea for us to be considerate to atheists. And I think that we should dedicate um, we should dedicate one day out of the year to atheists. A lot of, a lot of the rest of us have days. So I think we should dedicate April 1st um, as the atheist's day, just because it's biblically coherent with, you know, letting mm -hmm. April 1st be dedicated to atheism. Um, so that is, um, I just thought I'd throw that out up front. Um, 
the Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So, so realize according to God's word, when you say there is no God, you are a fool. So obviously it's not a place that you want to hang out in very long. So when you ask these questions of yourself and you hear others asking these questions, it's good to not just try to, I don't like the idea of just taking tough questions like that and just burying it, say, I'm not going to address it. I'm going to pretend like I don't think this way. I'm going to convince myself that um, I'm actually having a good day and that I actually still believe in God. And I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to acknowledge these questions that I have. So um, I have run across these questions and I have friends that run across these questions. We've gone, come to opposite conclusions. Some of my friends are now atheist or agnostic. And I have run across questions of wondering why would God do this? Why is it that God would have done, um, allowed people to die in the Old Testament or directed people, you know, possible genocide at times? There's questions that I've had in the Bible that didn't automatically at, at the first appearance, it didn't really make sense. And so hopefully we can get over or get through some of those tough topics tonight. Um, Patrick, what about you? Have you had, obviously we both come to the same conclusion, but have you ever had questions wondering if, if there was a God? Well, and that that's a that's a great segue. So, for a lot of you know that I was raised uh, Catholic back in New Jersey in an Irish family, and uh, I really didn't know that there was any other way to believe other than Catholicism or Judaism for the I don't know the first fifteen years of my life. You know, I think I I met my first Christian sometime in high school that at least told me, you know, that they were a Christian and and that wasn't Catholic. So <clears throat> for me, it was somewhere around I want to say like 15 years old, maybe maybe 16 at the most, where I really had my fill of Catholicism, and I said this is not for me, and that was certainly. Wait, you mean uh, you were you were rebellious at 15 or 16? Yeah, if you can believe you it. That is, that's unheard of. Yep. I, can't, I can't imagine that. So you kind of rebelled against the, the norm there at 15 or 16. Well, and to be honest with you, Caleb, my rebellion, it wasn't just being an arrogant teenager. I mean, I was an arrogant teenager, but that's not why I got rid of and left Catholicism. I had a lot of questions, and those questions were not being answered by anybody. To give you an idea, Caleb, when I was 17 years old, I would be out in the driveway washing my truck and uh, some Jehovah's Witnesses would come up or some Mormons would come up and they were walking around trying to get people to go to their church. And I would stand there in the driveway talking to them for an hour. I really would. I mean, I would waste a good part of their day, but it was because I had questions and I'm like, all right, well, these guys are willing to talk to me about it because not nobody else was. There was there was nobody in Catholicism that I ever ran into that even wanted to talk about God or the Bible or anything to do with that religion, let alone, you know, we're walking around trying to get other people to take a look at it. So when these guys would come by, I would talk to them and I'd ask them a bunch of questions. They didn't have satisfactory answers for me either. And that's why I ended up in atheism because I couldn't get any of my questions answered and God didn't make sense to me. Keep in mind, I was a guy that really had never prayed, had never read the Bible, had never looked into it. And that's an easy place for atheism to breed. Because if you're reading right. the Bible and praying, I mean, you're not going to be an atheist for long. It's just not going to work. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. And I always tell people that whenever I run into someone who's an atheist or an agnostic, and they're different. We might define the terms a little later on. I always tell them, I'm like, look, I'll get you a Bible, pick it up, read this book, 
you know, and I'm just talking about one of the books and let's talk about it. And all I'm looking for is for you to be willing to accept whatever you find. And that's it. I'm not going to push you hard one way or the other. I'll let God do that. He's going to be much better at it than I am. But that's always and going to I'll work. I'll just jump in here. Apparently that's working well. Yeah. There's somebody that commented here. Scott Link said when he was an atheist that Patrick led him to the Lord. Uh, that's great. That's uh, Apparently that's working. Yep. Letting, letting God do the heavy lifting <laughs> for you. Apparently that works out. No, uh, hey Samuel. Look, apparently, I got does. somebody, a fellow Texan, uh, tuned in here. Um, I don't know you, but uh, Samuel Fask looks like he's listening from Random, Texas. Welcome, good to have you. So, anyway, I was an atheist for uh, a couple years, and I ended up in a real bad position. So, this is going to bring everyone through my story a little bit. So, I ended up uh involved with uh drugs and with alcohol and i ended up going to rehab and when i was in rehab they told me you know flat out you're not really going to make it uh, unless you go to uh 12-step recovery programs after this so they said you need to go to alcoholics anonymous if you want to be able to you know stay sober so for me uh i started doing that and it was in one of those rooms a 12-step recovery room where I was, you know, kind of sharing with the group about what I was going through. And let's face it, nobody shows up in Alcoholics Anonymous on the best day of their life. Okay. You, you show up and start, you join that group. Everyone, no, everyone joins that group reluctantly. Okay. No one is thrilled to be part of that group. It's membership does not come from winners. Okay. It's not like you call up uh, your friends like, Hey boys, I was uh, thinking I'm hey, having a good night. Let's go yeah. have a beer and go out. Let's go hang out at Alcoholics oh, Anonymous man. for the evening. Yeah. So, so I was there and, and like a lot of people, you know, I had a DUI and I was facing, you know, some, uh, you know, criminal charges and I was going to court and I, I, nothing was going right in my life. I couldn't hold a job. No one wanted to be my friend. My family didn't trust me. I mean, it, you know, it was your typical story of how it can ruin everything in your life. And a bunch of these folks were saying, well, Patrick, you, you need to pray, man. You need to pray about that. You need to ask God for some direction. And, uh, and I remember saying to him, I was like, well, I don't believe in God. And this one old guy said, well, you don't have to believe in God for him to hear your prayers. And I thought, man, that's good. You're right. If God's real, he's going to hear my prayers, whether I believe in him or not. So I took the challenge and I went home and I got on my knees and I prayed. And Caleb, that, that was the very first time I remember praying. I mean, I'm sure I prayed at some point as a child. I definitely said plenty of our fathers and Hail Marys and all the, you know, all the recited, you know, words I was supposed to say at different times when I was in the Catholic church, whether in English or Latin, depending on which incense was burning and what bells they rang and whether I was supposed to stand or sit, you know, <clears throat> and I remember that, but you know, that wasn't praying for me. I didn't know who I was talking to. I didn't care. I had nothing to do with it. This is the first time where if there was a God, I wanted him to hear me because I needed help. And I got up off my You were my talking to him in plain English. Just like a normal guy, yeah, basically. Yep, normal point, English. First time you weren't yeah. just doing what somebody told you. You were actually talking no, to God. Exactly. As a friend. Yep. Okay. Just, just me and God, and it was as awkward of a prayer as you could imagine for a guy that's never done it before and had no direction whatsoever. Did you and try to hold end, your face just right, or like stick your right foot <laughs> out, or your, hold your tongue just right, or anything? It was just, just normal talk. 
just normal just talk. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember if I was on my knees or or sitting outside, you know, smoking a cigarette. But what I do remember is that when I was done, I felt like God heard me. And I had never felt like that a day in my life. And it felt good and I wanted more of it. And I remember that was the beginning of my spiritual journey. From that point was the start to where I got saved. Later on, I realized that God had been working on me for years prior, okay, getting the ground prepped. And I know other people were praying for me and they told me that years later. But that was my first experience where I took a step. It was a step of faith because I didn't believe in God, but I said, well, it's not going to hurt any. The worst that's going to happen is I'm going to feel silly for talking out loud in my backyard to, to someone, you know, to nobody that's listening. But at the end of it, I felt like God was there. And uh, I started doing that regularly and it brought me peace and comfort. And I felt like I got answers to my prayer. And that was really the beginning uh, of Patrick moving from atheism to monotheism. I still had no idea who this God was. And it took me a couple more years before I learned a clear uh, explanation of who Jesus was and what he did on the cross and how I could go to heaven and have my sins forgiven. It took a little while for me to get there, a couple more years, but I remember I was praying and, uh, and boy, uh, it worked. So my atheism wasn't long lived, but for a time it was there. And the reason for it was really, uh, I didn't, I didn't see the purpose of God and I didn't see why people would want to believe in God and go to church. I didn't see the benefits of it. And whenever I'd ask a lot of these people about it, either they didn't care or they didn't know anything. Uh, and most all of them couldn't answer any of my questions. So I felt frustrated and I was like, you know what? I just, I don't see it. And, and, and now looking back, I mean, that's laughable. The, the amount of evidence just in the world, in nature, in the sun, moon and stars and planets out there or all the way down to, you know, molecular biology and the single cell. There's so much evidence that there is a creator, that there must be a God. But at the time, you know, you got to remember, I was in a position where I didn't have answers. And really, Caleb, I didn't want to think that my actions at the end of my life were going to have consequences, let alone that there would be things like blessings and cursings today that were going to affect my life. So I, I didn't want to believe in that. So atheism fit with my lifestyle, which was very much anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-morality. So that's that's where I started, and like I said, it was pretty short lived. So I, I find that I find that pretty um, interesting and fascinating that you went from being in, steeped in religion, really from from a child growing up in oh, yeah. a very very uh, formal religious. I mean, Catholicism yeah. to me is one of the most. Um, it's only oh, trumped in formalism by Judaism. I yeah, mean, that's exactly. It, you know? Right. It really, yeah. The, the only difference yeah, is you some of the Jews actually believe what they're doing, whereas none of the Catholics. <laughs> I have never met a Catholic that was like a strong Catholic who loved well, what they did. I've, I've never met that person. And many of them are very devoted. But the difference between that and like what you're saying is a lot of Catholics don't really even know what's going on. I mean, a lot of the mass is done in Latin. A lot of the, uh, you know, the, the different... Um, 
ceremonial things that they're doing, it's prescribed to them by somebody that knows, and they just trust that the guy in the road knows what he's doing. Okay, my my mom and dad, who are in their 80s, go to Catholic church and take the mass every Sunday, and have been Mm -hmm. doing so. My mom's been in a Catholic church every Sunday for 80 years. Okay, at two weeks old, we're all brought in there. And, and whether you're a boy or a girl, you got a little white dress on and they sprinkle you with water and they call it baptism. And from that day on, you are there. Okay, that that's the house that I grew up in. I was at the Catholic Church every single Sunday. Caleb, I did not hold a Bible in my hands till I was 20 years old. I never one time read the Bible with my parents. I never one time uh prayed together as a family for someone we loved or a situation we were facing or I mean any any of the stuff that I do as a Christian father and husband uh, today we never did any of that and that's the reason that it is so hard for someone to convince me that any level of dedicated Catholic is saved and going to heaven because it is so far from what Christianity is in the Bible. It's so far from that, it's hard for me to believe that any of them could be born again and going to heaven when they die. Because all I've ever seen is an animosity towards and an ambivalence for uh, reading the Bible, just complete apathy for reading the Bible and praying. You know, none of the things that I see in the Christian. Okay, when I look at a man who has what I want, when I see a man who behaves the way that I want to behave and acts the way that I want to act and believes the way that I want to believe and and has, has a faith and has a spirit like I want, when I find some type of man that I can use as a, as a leader and an example in Christianity, they are never in the Catholic church. Ever. Okay, so I'm actually going to, I'm going to have to go out of here and disagree with you on this one. I, I, I would say that maybe in your experience, maybe you don't know any Catholics that, um, that are saved. Uh, but I would say that anyone in any church anywhere, including the Catholic church can certainly be saved and, and going to heaven. Whoa, whoa, I, I don't think whoa, that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say yeah. someone in the Catholic church can't be saved. Right. You just I never said that. You, you doubt that it could, ha- you doubt that it actually happens because if they, if they are actually I devoted have to trouble God. Believing it because all right. I've ever seen are apathetic uh, is all I've ever seen is apathy. Complete ignorance of the Bible and complete apathy for the Bible or God. That's the reason that I have trust. Anyone can be saved. Doesn't matter what church you go to on Sunday or any church you don't go to. What I'm but saying, I, I see is, your point that as you start diving into your Bible and and trying to follow God, uh, you know, serving from the heart, it probably would lead you away from the orthodoxy of the separation. Uh, you know, separation between God and man, where you have somebody else that is actually mediating between you and God, who is the Pope and, you know, the whole, the whole leadership of the church, which is clearly unbiblical. So, I mean, I understand your point there for sure, but I, I just wanted to clarify, I, I certainly yep. believe Catholics can be saved. And I, I'm sure Absolutely. you agree with that. Um, no, and so, honestly, the purpose of this podcast was not for Patrick to beat yeah. up on Catholics for 20 minutes, but I hate to tell you, okay, you're going to get that from time to time on this podcast. Because it's part of your history there. 
Well, yeah. And, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but you want to hear someone beat up on the Jehovah's Witnesses? Just get someone that was born and raised in that church that would that escaped the church and got saved. And let me tell you, okay, there is a soapbox and that's the soapbox they're going to stand on and talk about because they saw the harm that was done. Uh, I don't know of a group that is responsible for leading more people to hell than Catholicism around the world because they teach another gospel. They teach that you get saved apart from Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And if anyone doubts that, I can get down off my bookshelves, okay, I can get down off my bookshelves, lots of books as far as Catholic catechisms, and I can show you that they do not, do not believe that it is by grace and grace alone that you are saved. That is not what they believe. And anyone that's telling you that is either ignorant or they are lying, okay? Because that is not what you find there. Okay, so now I'm going to take a breath and pop a pill of blood pressure medication. And I'm going to let Caleb uh, jump back in here and either ask a question or make a comment. Of course, he doesn't have his headphones on, so I'm wondering if he could hear me no, at all. No, I can hear you. You just... Can you hear it, me? Yeah, it sounds like you're in a tunnel. What happened? Um, hang on just a second. You have to charge up your phone. Yeah, basically. I was at a birthday party and I slacked off. I had my no, phone plugged great. in. I had my phone plugged in. Um, playing music for the birthday party on my phone all the way down to about 33 percent when i was like oh no i got a podcast <laughs> johnny on the spot here okay so i find it really interesting that you went from like i said steeped kind of in the most orthodox formal form of religion that that really is uh -huh. you know as far as mainstream religion in america you were there um yep. as far as some place that they had everything figured out you went from that to doubting god disbelief atheism to then, it sounds to me like you encountered God outside of, it's not like God met you like he did Paul on the road to Damascus, where he just grabbed mm -hmm. you by the nap of the neck and picked you up and stuck you into church kind of a thing. It, was, it wasn't somebody convincing you, hey, I've had this experience with God and, and I should convince you based off of this experience. It was somebody that gave you some practical advice and said, hey, doesn't hurt to pray. Even if you don't believe in him, you can still talk to him. And so that's really interesting to me how God then used that man, um, encouraging you to just have a casual conversation with God to, to begin that, that relationship, that conversation um, where you started talking and eventually put your faith in Jesus as your savior. Um, so I think that's, that's really interesting how that, how that went for you. Um, I would, what is, what do you think was your biggest it seems to me like it was a logical thing for you to, to do at the time. It didn't make sense to you to believe in God because your experience with God wasn't satisfying. It wasn't fulfilling. You didn't really have a relationship with him. You didn't read his word. Um, you didn't see a, a family that was um, really living, a, walking in a Christian way. They were just doing the formality of church in the, in the Catholic church, it seems like. So it, seemed, it seems to me that it was the logical, and I find this for a lot of people that are atheists, it seems like it's the logical thing to do. Like they're, it's not like they just reject God because they want to be a fool, you know? It seems like the logical thing to not believe in God because they don't really have enough evidence or enough experience to back it up. And based off of the fact that you didn't read the Bible growing up, you didn't really have much knowledge of his word, it sounds like. 
atheism, if you think about it, for a lot of people is going to be a default position. If you don't really have a good reason to believe in anything else, well, you're going to end up being an atheist or at least an agnostic. And please understand, there is a difference. Atheists say there is no God. They lack a belief in God or they believe that there is no God, whichever way you want to say it. You can argue the semantics, whereas agnostics will say, I don't know. I don't see evidence or proof one way or the other. So they're on the fence. At the end of the day, you don't find either of them praying, okay, because prayer takes a step of faith. So if you don't have a good reason to believe in a deity, if you don't have a good reason to believe in God, you're going to end up an atheist. It's easy. There, there's, you don't have to, there's nothing required. There's no pressure from anywhere. The problem is, if you start to think about it, logically, nobody is an atheist. It doesn't work out. Because to say there is no God requires you to have all knowledge and then be able to claim that God is not within that knowledge. But nobody knows everything. Right. It, think of this. Caleb, are there any dodo birds on Earth? Dodo birds? Dodo birds. Do you know what a dodo not, bird is? I'm not aware of. Okay. Not that you're aware of. And we could all say no because they haven't been around or been seen for, I think it's been 100 years. But that doesn't hmm. mean there's not some of those birds left on an island somewhere that we just have not right. seen. Okay. So for me to emphatically claim there are no dodo birds left on planet Earth, that means that I would need to be everywhere simultaneously and see every place and be able to say there is absolutely no dodo birds. Now you say, Patrick, that's ridiculous. That's not required. It really is. Now the agnostic would say, no, there are no dodo birds left. I don't have any reason to believe that there are any. And there's evidence to show me that there's not any. Okay, but the fact is I can't prove it, but I'm totally comfortable saying that there aren't any of those birds left. Whereas the atheist claims there is no God. Another problem with atheism is the number of atheists that are mad at God, that just hate right. God and hate Christianity. If anybody is mad at God and hates God, I hate to tell you, they are not an atheist. They are a theist. Caleb, I do not hate Santa Claus or the Easter money. I am not mad at them. They never ruin my day because they don't exist. I don't think about them. I don't care if other people think about them. Usually it's small children. It doesn't bother me because they're not real. The atheists, lots of them, really hate God. Now, I really didn't care. For me, I wasn't bothered by theism in any form or fashion. Just didn't make sense to me. I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't get it. The true atheist has no opinion or does not care about God. Just like I don't have an opinion on Santa Claus and his characteristics and his personality. I don't believe in him, but that's where it ends. He doesn't affect me. And a lot of atheists don't land there. 
I find a lot of atheists that I meet, they enjoy making fun of Christians. They enjoy laughing at the idea of God. Yeah, so um, on top of it seeming to be a logical, a logical place to come if you if you don't have any evidence for God, if you don't like him, like you said, if you if you're kind of opposed to the um, to the the idea that you've been that you that that's been portrayed to you of who God is, it, it seems mm-hmm. like it makes sense to just say it's it's a more comfortable place to say I don't really know, and so rather than I don't like the idea of not knowing something, it's more convenient to just say I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist. To me, it seems mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people that are, are more comfortable with becoming an atheist if their exposure to God has been specifically if it's been monotheism. I mean, it's like, which God do you choose? You got, you got this whole, you know, you got this whole smorgasbord of all these gods and goddesses. Um, and so who do you choose? Um, as far as even monotheistic religions, they have Judaism, Christianity, uh, Muslims. Um, and we have, I mean, I think Christians have probably made a lot of atheists because of some of our bad, our bad representations of, of who Jesus is. And, and as far as being the body of Christ, some of the mistakes that Christians make um, probably drives people away from even wanting to have anything to do with Christianity, if this is what it represents. The same thing with Muslims, the same thing with Jewish people. I mean, if you look through all of human history, religious people have done a lot of really messed up things. And so it's understandable that based off of the, the human side of religion, we give God a pretty bad rap or the different gods that are out there a pretty bad rap. So for somebody to say, I don't want to be associated with, I mean, for me, I wouldn't want to be associated with um, Muslims if I look at what Muslims as humans do. Even if I didn't look at their belief system, I look at what a lot of Muslims do, and I want nothing to do with that. Um, There's um, some things that Jews have done that I wouldn't want to have anything to do with Judaism if, if, um, you know, some of the messed up people in Judaism, the same thing with Christians. There's some brands of Christianity that have, um, as a whole, they've done some messed up things. Um, individual Christians that you may know that may really not walk with God according to his plan and they, and they sin and they cheat and they lie and they, you know, do all the things that we're not supposed to do. And so it's more convenient just to isolate yourself from all of these problematic things and just say, I don't believe there is a God. And so therefore I'm going to call myself an atheist because I really don't want to have, if, even if there was a God, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with him because I don't really like what religious mm-hmm. people portray. So I think there's that side of the logical argument where people come to and they say atheism looks appealing because religious people are messed up and religion causes a lot of wars and religious causes religion causes a lot of conflicts and religion causes uh, people to, to do you know uh, things that aren't logical. And if you're looking mm-hmm. at things from a logical perspective, um, then it comes around to a point of even though the Bible says you're a fool because you say that there is no God. In, 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 the, in the mind of an atheist, they seem to be making a logical, wise decision. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. think that what they're doing is right. And there's scriptures to back that up, too. I mean, there is, there is definitely, we come to this place of convincing ourselves that we're right. Even if we don't know if we're right, well, we still like to believe that we're right. This goes for religious people as well. So I'm just going to speak as far as some of my questions that I had regarding God. And I was, I was wondering about some of yours that you've had. But um mm-hmm. So I've never really come to a point of questioning if God was real. And I think this partly comes from um, the fact that I grew up in a Christian home. I've been around 
religious people. I have read my Bible from the time that I was uh, a child, but I actually came, um, what started prompting my, the first questions that I had is I started realizing I was born into a Christian family. I'm born in a, in a predominantly Christian country in a Christian culture. And so um, it makes sense that I would be a lot more likely to become a Christian because this is what the culture around me is. But would I have been a Muslim if I was born in a Muslim country? Or would I have been a Jew if I was born in a Jewish area? Or a Hindu if I was born in India? Um, and so I said, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Are you the type of person that when asked to believe something poses questions? Yeah. Or are you the type of person when asked to believe something likes to get along? No, I tend to be pretty skeptical, possibly cynical. I tend to want to go against the flow. I mean, you know me. Okay. So I'm not, no, I'm sure. not, a, I'm not a people pleaser. So all. then no matter where you ended up, you would not have accepted whatever your culture was pushing on you. Most right. people remain where they are because it's comfortable and convenient. They don't want to upset the waters. They don't want to make waves. So if you are being raised Muslim, it's just real easy to stay Muslim. You might not be a devout one, but you're going to make mom and grandma and everybody happy and you're going to do your thing and, you, you know, just because it's a lot easier. So guys like you and me were never going to remain in the religion of the culture that we were born into, no matter where it was. Because, Caleb, do you currently practice the religion you were raised in? And well, I don't mean, not, yeah, and I don't mean not, just not identical. Exactly. Okay. Neither do I. I've certainly asked they, you, plenty of questions. Yeah. And the biggest and, ones really were that exact thing of, you know, it, do I just follow along and be a Christian because that's what I was told was right by my parents? You know, of course, Muslims, sure. they grew up in a home where their parents tell them, you know, this is the right religion. And so this they follow the right along. With right. Yep. So I was like, I should be more objective and actually take a look at it. And is there, you know, why there's, thousands of religions out there why is it that my yeah. that i believe that my religion is the right religion and when i started looking into them i would say that is when i had some of the biggest questions and scott here um actually brought this point up scott mentioned that atheists communists have also done a lot of bad things so all humans have done a lot of bad things religious non-religious doesn't matter what religion you're in humans do mess up things can i add to what yeah. scott is talking about here oh yeah go ahead okay because i really wanted to kind of get off on this little thing and right now i am unable to find where i can write uh yeah i'm sorry man i wanted to get a verse up on the oh, screen on whatever the screen. well for whatever reason the option isn't here today so okay so we're going to do it the old-fashioned way i'm just going to tell you the the thing and then uh we're going to Oh boy, here we go. Sorry, now. Okay, here we go. So in, okay, I'm gonna start off with a statement and it may sound audacious and I want you to challenge it, Caleb, and I want you to you know, fight against it if you can. The statement is this, there is no such thing as an atheist. Okay, that's my premise. Now, 
With that, I'm going to give you a verse. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 13. And again, I apologize. I can't put it up on the screen for whatever reason. I don't know. An update I mean, happened. This is where it says, um, I'll, well, there's a couple of them, but basically. I'll just read it. it. Okay. <laughs> for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So the Bible says that God has given everybody an amount of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, we all get to determine what we put that faith into. And as Scott mentioned, the atheist, and he put in parentheses, communists believe, okay, you have to understand that that is a religious belief. So right. are those who say they're atheists and believe that creation came from naturalistic causes. Those are the evolutionists. That is a religious belief. And Caleb and I are going to get into uh, creation and evolution here in the coming weeks. And I'm the person that believes that Christianity and evolution Okay, creation and evolution should not be taught in science class. Do you know why? Because neither of them are scientific. Special creation from the book of Genesis, that's not scientific, that's supernatural. That is, God did not form the mountains with his hands. Okay, he spoke them into existence. And evolution, again, is not naturalistic. That is supernatural. And if you want to believe in those and teach them in school, that's fine. But you should get them both out of science class and teach them in a philosophically neutral class about origins. And you can teach whatever you want in that class. But stop saying evolution is scientific. It is not. Okay? But neither is special creation. And I'll be the first to admit that. I don't, I don't believe that uh, we can duplicate or replicate what God did in the first six days in a lab and test it and run experiments on it. We can't. God's spoken and, into and existence. Not try to spin tales and theories as far as how God could have created the world the same way that he said, but with using natural causes, you know, volcanic nope. eruptions and things like sure. that. So communism is a religious belief. Okay. Um, environmental liberalism is a religious belief. Uh, evolution is a religious belief. People put their faith in political parties and they put faith in them as if they are God. People do this with all sorts of things. They put their faith into something that is not a supernatural deity like the Lord, okay, or, you know, the Lord Jesus. But there is no such thing as an atheist. Believe me, they are putting their faith into something. Some people put it in themselves. They believe that they are the highest level of evolutionary thinking. We are the pinnacle. Okay. And, and just read anything written by Carl Pagan, or I'm sorry, Sagan, and you'll see. Okay, that he believed that humans were as far as it went. And the, the greatest thing we could try to do is put more information into the bucket of information that was compiled by all humans that came before us. So I don't believe that there is such a thing as an atheist. Tell me if I'm crazy. No, and actually this comes from, there's, there's a couple different 
schools of, of thoughts on this within Christianity, but this comes from um, the argument that you're making here would be a presuppositionalist point of view where you are um, assuming that based off of a biblical concept here where um, the Bible tells us that all heavens declare the glory of God, it shows us that God has put his law into our heart. There are, we are, we actually are a, a, a we, we carry a bit of God's DNA in us. We have this, this conscience, this God-given conscience, this idea of right and wrong, this um, desire to do right, this desire to not be evil, um, or this desire to be evil. But there's this, this idea of good and evil that's like meshed into our DNA. It's part of who we are. And the idea that, that somebody could say that they're an atheist because they haven't seen God um, it is really an it's an argument against the fact that they actually are um, we are a creation of God and in a, in a way God has put a bit of his sovereign nature in us and so we're all around us not just looking out into space or in creation around us but even in our own in our own creation in our own thought process our own um, knowledge even if we had never seen a Bible um, we have all been exposed to God in some way and so there's there is kind of God has, has put himself he's breathed his breath into into our lungs and so there is this um this argument that's made and it's considered presupp presuppositionalist um, apologetics where you would argue that someone um actually when, when they say but I don't believe that there is God you say no you actually do you're just trying to argue against the fact that you know there is a God but you don't like God and so you're trying to argue against him um and so that's kind of the idea I think you're that you're that you're bringing up here where this is atheism is actually um i would call it more anti-theism it's more it's more of a reaction to theism to say we don't like religion we don't like god it's snowing <laughs> we we don't like god and so therefore we're going to come up with something to counter god which really is a religion of its own it's similar to me i always kind of laugh at the non-denominational christians it's like no that's just another denomination you're just a non-denominationalist non denomination. <laughs> and atheists are just, they don't like religion, so they've created their own religion to counter other religions in a lot of ways. It's an anti-God uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And they borrow from God, uh, as, as, as this uh, one apologist says, they, you have to sit in God's lap to slap him in the face because you have to mm -hmm. borrow from God in order to say, I don't like God because I think that this is wrong. Um, about God. Well, you're borrowing from his moral law to say that there is such a thing as right and wrong to, to, to disprove God. So you're borrowing from God to, to disprove God. Um, I'm not sure if I explained if that's the point you were angling at, but that would be um, my view on it. Okay. So what else you got for me? Any questions? Well, yeah, so um, I was going. I was just going kind of over the logical side of. So my questions led me to wonder if um, if I was just blindly following along like a sheep, saying I was born and raised in a Christian country, Christian family, and so therefore I'm going to go along as a Christian. And so I started questioning God, questioning Christianity, and ultimately I I didn't really question if God existed, but I I, I started questioning Jesus. And, and my questions about Jesus actually led me to believe that I actually believe that um, I believe there's plenty of places that I could point somebody to, to, to 
try to prove God's existence. And we've, we've mentioned na uh, nature, we've mentioned the moral law, our conscience, um, and we've mentioned um, the, the, um, the fact that, uh, how would I put it? We've, we've kind of mentioned the fact that this is like into our DNA where we really actually, we, we point to the fact that it's an, an internal part of our belief system that there is God, that God is in us. Um, but Jesus was probably the big, big sticking point for me because this is the part of my religion as a Christian that makes it better than anybody else's is Jesus. I mean, we got plenty of other religions out there to believe in God and they, they can work their way to heaven. But Christianity is too good to be true in some ways because we have grace, free grace, where somebody else comes and does the hard part for us. All we have to do is accept that free gift and we get eternal life. So it's like, of course, I would believe in Christianity because it's like it's the it's the easiest route to get to God. Right. I mean, it just seemed like maybe I should take a second look at this. So I started wondering, could it be that Jesus was a fraud? Could it be? And th th these were my big questions. Could it be that that the apostles sat around in a room and spun this tale of Jesus? Was this a conspiracy where they, you know, these guys got together in a cigar filled room and said, hey, we're going to start this movement and we're going to take down um, Judaism and replace it with Christianity. And we're going to, you know, we somehow we're going to have something to gain off this. So I started looking into that. And I would say that now, after what I've looked into with Christianity and answering some of those questions, that would be the first place I would point somebody to as far as evidence for God and evidence that God exists. Wouldn't so much even, I mean, I think creation is a powerful, a powerful one. Another one that I think is extremely powerful is, is fulfilled prophecy where God says things, it's written down and then it's fulfilled exactly like God says it hundreds or thousands of years later. And so that's evidence for the fact that God spoke and then God acted and, and it came to pass, which is really evidence for something that happened outside of even the, the you know, generationally, many generations after um, the person that wrote the prophecy down uh, was dead and then it came to pass exactly like God said it. To me, that is evidence for God. But Jesus, to me, is is the most powerful evidence for God that there is out there. And and what I like to say is I could never convince you, if you're an atheist, I'm not going to try to convince you that mm -hmm. Jesus exists. I'm not going to try to sit here and show you enough evidence that I can change your mind. But the, the Bible says, seek and you shall find. And I found that Jesus is the most powerful argument to make for evidence for God is to tell people, Open up your Bible, you know, read the book of John, read Acts, read Romans, read uh, Matthew, Mark, you know, read some of these books and, and read about Jesus. And as you start seeking Jesus, no different than somebody told you, Patrick, um, get on your knees and pray. You don't have to believe in God, but start seeking Jesus. And he says, seek me and you shall find. And um, so I and, and the Bible also says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled in the beatitude. Jesus said that. And so I, I find that as we start seeking Jesus, that he reveals himself to us because Jesus is not, he's not, he is alive and he's in us and he's, he's, a, he's around us. So I, I found that Jesus has, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't give somebody Jesus, my experience with Jesus as proof for Jesus. I wouldn't say Jesus has healed me from sickness and therefore you should believe in, in, in Jesus because I prayed and he healed me. Or Jesus has helped me get through my financial woes. And so therefore you should believe in Jesus. I wouldn't do that. But as you start seeking Jesus, 
you start finding Jesus. And, and, and I feel like the Jesus actually um, is the most powerful tool that we can point people to as far as evidence for God. He says that no one comes to the father, but, but through the through son, me. but he also says mm. that no one comes to the son, except that the father draws them to the son. So you have this, you have this idea where, where as an, as an apologist or as a, as a, as a Christian, I don't want to, I don't want to do the heavy lifting here and say, if you're an atheist, I'm going to convince you that God is real. But as far as my questions, as far as, as the, the historical accuracy of the Bible and the, the accounts of the apostles, I started finding that it is actually one of the most historically accurate and well-proven books that's out there. And the, the questions that I had about the apostles and why they would have written these. Now, this was this is assuming that they're not divinely inspired, assuming that it's not the word of God. It's, you know, with my questions, assuming, OK, maybe this is this whole New Testament is just a fraud. Um, as you as you investigate it, that whole argument falls apart, completely falls apart, because these men all went to their grave defending the fact that Jesus Christ, they saw him, they saw him crucified, they saw him rise from the dead, and they saw him ascend to heaven. All, and and these, these men preached Jesus to their death. They all died as martyrs because they, um, they, and they, and they never renounced Jesus. None of them had anything to gain for it. If you start investigating their lives, none of them had financial gain from it. They never started writing books and making money off of it. Um, they had everything to lose for it. Many of them were successful doctors, tradesmen, and they had everything to lose. And then on top of that, if they would have gotten together in a smoke-filled cigar room, they would have got their story together. And one of the one of the problems that I found with it, and some, some of the questions that I also had about it, is if if the New Testament was really God's word, um, then why would there be discrepancies where one apostle writes something from one point of view and another apostle writes something from a different perspective? Um, and, and I was wondering why, you know, an atheist will point to these things and say, well, they don't even all match. They don't even all line up. Well, as God was, as Jesus was here and he's spending time with these disciples and they were experiencing God and their, and their time with him, many of them saw, um, had dis- different perspectives on what they were seeing. God revealed different things to them and they recorded what God revealed to them. And so um, if they were, if they had gotten together after the fact and made this story up, and and it was a conspiracy they would have got their story together and they would have all written the same number they would have written the same exact details and instead one man records one detail and another man leaves that detail out and so i started finding it actually the whole argument that i was making against the new testament started those questions started answering themselves for me as i as i dug, dug into it and i saw jesus as i started reading his word with these questions i saw jesus start changing my life and i started seeing the fact that God was answering my prayers, and as I spent more time in His Word, that that He was filling me with the fruits of the Spirit, with love and joy and peace and patience, some of these things, and I saw this, you know, some of these as promises in the Bible, many, many promises in the Bible that I started seeing come true, and then that took me to the Old Testament. So Jesus actually was the one that then confirmed to me that the. I guess we have a timer. <laughs> this time's up. Um, so I saw Jesus. Um, he tells he tells his um, he over and over again he quotes from the law and the prophets so he quotes from the Old Testament and, and he never questions the Old Testament and he uh, in fact he tells them at one point he says um, the the scribes and the Pharisees they sit in Moses' seat 
and they they teach the law. And he said, do as they do or do as they say, but don't live as they live. And so Jesus reaffirmed the Old Testament. Um, and then he and he didn't call any of it into question. He didn't say, you know, um, they have the law and the prophets, but but the prophets are all false. He didn't he didn't he never called it into question. He quoted over and over again from many, many of the Old Testament passages. And so then that took me from investigating the New Testament to the Old Testament and starting to read some of these quotes where Jesus quotes the Old Testament. And I started finding all these prophecies and the New Testament is full of prophecies that, and I kind of scoffed at it for a while. I was like, well, it says this, this was done so that it might be fulfilled what was, pro, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And I was like, okay, so if, if these apostles got together and they, they decided that they were going to make up this religion, then of course they would have written that all these things came to pass that were prophesied were going to happen. That would have just made sense, right? So as I start reading some of this, I start realizing many of these same accounts are are also recorded in in um, secular history as well and recorded in great detail. We had an episode, and I cannot remember. I think maybe it was called "Evidence for God." It was shortly after we started this, and and I, I talked about the story of Tyre and how and how that was that was detailed and given given early on prophesied and i don't remember some of the details of that but there were the whole siege of tyre and how that whole that whole that whole situation went down it was it was it was prophesied and then it was recorded in several different places not just in the bible and so we have these times where god speaks thousands or hundreds of years later it happens exactly as god said it so to me, the more that you dig and the more that you have questions, I think it's healthy to have questions and start looking into the Bible, whether you're a Christian or not. It's a historical book, and I think atheists should be reading the Bible. If you want to prove that your point of view is right, it's the oldest book out there. You should be you should be reading it to disprove it. And the more time that you spend in it, I, I believe that God will lead you to to believe in him. Um, that's that's about all I had on, on that. But that was that was my journey, kind of the closest I ever got to atheism was questioning God questioning Jesus specifically, and then and then realizing that Jesus was really the one that led me to him, and, and he, he drew me to him as I started spending time in his word of him alive to me. Well, I will tell you, um, I do think that the best way to get over atheism is to read the New Testament. Uh, I didn't get even six or seven chapters into the book of Matthew as an atheist, uh, before realizing that there was something serious going on. And actually, I wasn't an atheist at that time. I, I, I was convinced that there was a God, but I had no idea who he was. You know, anyone, as we said many times, who will seek, uh, who will ask, you know, who will knock on the door, they're going to find the door is going to be open to them. And I tell everyone, um, read through the book of Matthew and pray every day, asking for God to guide and direct you and to reveal to you who he is and what he wants out of your life. And anyone that does that is going to find out, uh, you know, very quickly that God is real and they are going to be shown who he is. You know, and if anyone, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's going to ruin your atheism. You know, what I tell people is, you know, give that a shot. Isn't the truth more important, you know, than what you're holding on to? And when we encounter the truth, we are supposed to change our lives 
to conform to the truth. We're not supposed to try to make uh, the truth fit our lives because what we're doing is we're changing the truth. And this is the last point I want to make uh, as we are at the at the end of our hour here. You know you have a problem when whatever God you choose to believe in is like you. And that's what humanity by default tends towards. We want to believe that God is okay with us exactly the way we are. And even Christians are guilty of that. They constantly justify their behavior and try to make it so that God is really okay with whatever they're doing and whatever sin is in their life and whatever way they are disobedient to God, Christians try to make God into a God that is in line with them. And the whole idea is we're supposed to change our life to be in line with God. And so many people who are atheistic or agnostic, whatever they believe in, it always ends up being a very um, naturalistic, human, uh, self-gratifying version of God. Okay, their God is going to work out so that they don't have to do anything different. Their version of God is going to be one that doesn't require them to change anything. They're good just the way they are. And you know you're in trouble if that's who you think God is. And even as a Christian, and this is off into another set of weeds, if you ever find that God is just fine with the way you are living your life, you are in a very, very bad place. Okay, because God, I cannot think of a single time in my life where God was just fine with the way I was living my life. Okay, God wanted the best for me, just like I wanted the best for my children every day of their life. And I always wanted them to do well, even though I was proud of certain things they did. There were faults and failures that I very much wanted them to overcome. So <clears throat> anyone who is moving from atheism or, or being an agnostic into some form of deism where they believe in God, they are going to, by default, try to fig, uh, make God uh, into their own likeness. And when you read the Bible, and I always tell people, read the book of Matthew, pray all the way through it. You won't make it halfway through that book before you realize that God is real, you're not him, and that Jesus is the Messiah. And, you know, you're going to you're going to be in a great place. Um, Caleb, with that, uh, we are at the bottom of the hour. Did you have anything you wanted to add or you want to just say goodbye? Um, yeah, no, there's I, I'll just leave with a couple of uh, Bible verses here. I, I mentioned a couple of these, but of course, didn't read it verbatim. And I always hate just kind of paraphrasing um, Matthew. Uh, Seven, uh, this is chapter seven, verse seven. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that knocketh, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So this is a promise, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says that if we seek him, that we will find him. And I think that is um, that's a very um, that's a very comforting thing. And it's and I found this to be true. And it's something I could actually speak 
with authority to to say this is something that I believe I can I can tell you that if you seek Jesus, if you pray and you ask God to reveal himself to you, if you spend time in his word, as an atheist, um, like Patrick said, what do you have to lose? All right, so you your your options are three. There's either heaven, there's hell, or there is just nothingness. And you are a blob of of matter that's floating through space and you will cease to exist at the end of your life. And so if there's a good chance you cease to exist, um, you're stupid not to, while you do exist, give it the chance to um, investigate life after death. And there is eternal life after death. And uh, if you seek God, um, you have nothing to lose. All right. If you don't believe God is real, then you're just building your knowledge of that's something you don't believe in. But you'd be stupid not to give him a shot because what if you were wrong and you've got you have eternal you've got eternal life or eternal condemnation um, that is promised to you by God and if you if you can't stay neutral um, according to the Bible there's no such thing as just because you don't believe in God that you get to skip out on this whole afterlife thing there's either heaven or hell and so um, there's no, no there's no in between place that atheists go and just cease to exist um, so. It's to me. It's it's worth seeking and, and realizing that that there's promise here that as you seek him, he he will reveal himself to you. Um, there's another place where Jesus said, and I should have pulled the scripture up, but he said that if if um, if earthly parents who um, are not even good, if your son would ask you for a, uh, a fish, would you give him a stone, or bread, would you give him a stone? And but he says, how much more so would your father who is in heaven give what you ask? And I should have looked this verse up, and I was gonna I was gonna pull it up, but Patrick threw the thing back at me while I was getting ready to pull it up. Um, so we have we have this idea here that God is trying to tell us the best that you can experience, the best that you could think of as far as someone that cares for you would have been your your parents, and their love compared to God's love is hate. So God loves you more so much more than anybody than the most loving person you know on earth that their love compared to god's love is actually hate and so he's saying he's saying do you think that if you go to god seeking god that he and you ask him to reveal jesus that he's going to give you a stone do you think if you ask him for bread that he's going to give you a stone he says absolutely not even you as as wicked and evil people still give your children if they ask you for food you're going to give them food so this is a this is I, to me, I think God was was appealing to our 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 uh, our intellect here, where He's saying, "Hey, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to seek Me. You know, even you guys, if your children ask you for bread, you're going to give them bread. You're not going to give them a stone. So don't be afraid to ask God. If you seek God, you will find Him. And and I I think that I can speak with authority on that because Jesus says it. And so I'm just repeating his words to you here. I, I, if you if you seek him, you will find him. And as a Christian, I think it's extremely important that we ask ourselves some of the same questions. If you have a lingering question or a lingering doubt, start investigating it, because that's part of how we seek God. If you don't know God, if you're just if you're just trying to convince yourself that you're going to stay religious and that you're going to ride to heaven because you're in a good church or in a good group, but you don't really know God. Um, this is a very important part of belief and having faith in God. You can't have faith in something that you don't really know or believe exists. So, so, so believing in Jesus, actually, to me, an integral part of salvation 
and, and believing on Jesus as your Lord and Savior is actually believing that God is real. You can't say, well, if the man upstairs is who he says he is, then yeah, I'll go ahead and get saved. But I don't really know if God is, is real, but in case he isn't real, um, you know, I'm going to go ahead, or in case he is real, I'm going to go ahead and say the sinner's prayer anyways. But then you go on with these doubts and questions and you never truly believe in God. Um, I think that's an important part is, is, is asking ourselves these questions, asking God, seeking him. And, and he points, he points us to him. Like I said, I, I started looking into the old Testament and finding places where the new Testament mentions scriptures that prophesied Jesus, where Isaiah prophesied of Jesus and that those prophecies were fulfilled. So then I started reading the book of Isaiah and Isaiah, I started reading plenty of other prophecies and I started seeing how these prophecies were also fulfilled, not just the ones about Jesus, but like I, like I mentioned, the one, I think it's Isaiah chapter 45 that talks about the siege of Tyre and about Cyrus and where this is prophesied. And I started finding this recorded all over the place outside of the Bible. And I was like, wait, so if this is recorded there and Isaiah's prophecy came true and he also prophesied of Jesus and that came true, that's not that incredible. And then I started looking at creation and it's like, Okay, how, why is it that if I, which I do believe that God created the heavens and the earth, there's no logical, I never heard a logical argument, and we'll get into that next week on evolution, but there's not a large logical argument that holds together for anything other than a supernatural creator. There's just not. They've tried to explain it, and there's not a good argument for it. So you look around, and the heavens are declaring the glory of God. You see that, and you see evidence for God in creation. Well, if I can accept Genesis 1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then it makes everything else that's supernatural in the Bible a lot easier to believe. It's not that hard for me to believe that Jesus could turn water into wine if God first spoke and created water. You know, if he's the creator of water, then why is it so hard for him to convert water into wine? If he's the one that first breathed the breath of life into our lungs at creation, then every other supernatural miracle, we don't have to try to explain it. We don't have to doubt it. We can realize that anything is possible with God. And so I found that as I investigated my doubts, my doubts turned into faith, where I started having these questions. I started investigating the Bible. And the more that I read and saw, the more that God started putting faith and confidence in him in, into, into my heart, where I can speak with conviction and say, I don't say I believe in God just because I want to believe in God, but I believe in God because I actually believe that God has shown me that he is real and he is, he is who he says he is. So I find that the more that I spend time in his word, the more time that I spend in prayer, the more that I... Um, actually believe in God as as as, as being um, a living creator as we as, as we claims to be I won't get onto another rant I already have a couple of times but um, it's something I, I definitely am passionate about and I, I believe that as you seek God that he will he will reveal himself to you and you'll become just as passionate about it as I am okay we're 10 minutes past the hour I say we call it and and start up next Sunday night with the topic of creation versus evolution, which might bleed over into a couple weeks. Sounds good. Sound good. Okay, man. Awesome. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.